trying to be smart and you blow it anyways. We've right. all done it. It's yeah. a terrible feeling, right? Totally. But what I think Corey is now experiencing And we're back with another part train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I've got my partner in crime, our other co-host, Matt Cermak here. Welcome aboard, Serm, for another What's up, mental game mailbag. Trains on the tracks. We're moving. We're grooving. I'm excited. Guys, in case you're new, our mission on the part train is to help frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course. And we believe that if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. We interview PGA Tour pros, best-selling authors, CEOs, mental coaches, everyday golfers like you and me, and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easier and help you get out of your own way, shoot lower scores, and enjoy the ride. Before we get to this mental game mailbag where we're going to hear from people just like you and answer their mental game questions, quick word from our friends at Roback. Mm. Uh, sir, something happened this past mm. week. I had my member guest. Uh, we did not make the shootout. A lot of people have been DMing us, huh. asking us. I did win the long drive, but that was Ryan nice. and I, my partner, did not have it. We'll uh. unpack that at some point. Yeah. But um, what I wanted to share was I had probably 10 or 15 people throughout the weekend come up to me and say, is this Roback? Because all I was wearing, obviously, was Roback shirts, Roback polos. And multiple people said, we've heard you talk about it on the show. I've seen their ads on Instagram. I've always thought about getting it, but they want to touch it. They want to feel it. They want to see sure. it. And I think I was the first time that they saw Roback in person. And it, I literally, 100% of the people that came up to me and talked to me were like, that's it. Where do I get your discount? I'm getting like five of these things now. They saw how crisp the collars were. They saw how great the material was. They saw how great it fits. And they were sold. So in case you guys are one of those people, trust us. Use these people that came up to us as reinforcement, as giving you permission to finally get your first rowback polo, Q-zip, hoodie. You won't regret it. It is the best stuff in the golf world. Yeah, and for context, for the listeners, Ev, you know, you live in LA and you were back in your hometown in St. Louis, right? Yeah. So it's a total like new group of people and it's pretty cool. But like you said, once you see it, once you see the logo, you know, once you see the fit, and it looks good on you. You wear it well, Ab. You know, you really do. <laughs> People know that. But that. what's also exciting, you know, you're playing tournament golf with a number of guests. We've got the Ryder Cup coming up, and Roback's doing a great run of Ryder Cup shirts, right? Yeah. Now, I don't think we got any Team Europe shirts. You know, it's USA, but some really cool prints and cool stripes, and I might get myself one, you know? So yeah. be on the lookout, guys. They got get yourself a, a Ryder Cup shirt for, uh, for the Ryder Cup, you know? Yeah. Get fired up. Do you US think this team, team needs a mojo. They this, need mojo. We have no mojo. <laughs> it's just drama and lineup <laughs> issues and who I wants to play they... injuries with Kepka. Don't even get me started. All right. We'll have to talk. <laughs> we might have to dive into that. it next week. Yeah. We're in trouble. We're in trouble like every year. <laughs> so. Yeah. Talk about that at another time. But all you got to do is tap the show notes of this episode. There will be a link. In there, tap that link. No need to enter a promo code and get yourself 15% off your first rollback polo, Q zip, hoodie, whatever you want. And if uh, you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, uh, or TikTok, wherever, the link in our bio always has a link to the same discount. So uh, if you're not in Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you just want a quick place to find it, 
you can always tap our link in the bio on Instagram or Twitter um, and tap that link that says get 15% off your rollback order and boom, uh, you'll get it and you'll look good, play good. Take advantage. Yeah. Okay. Oh. So in case you guys haven't listened to a mental game mailbag in the past, let me give you a bit of context. We started this concept a few months ago and it's quickly become the most popular format <laughs> of anything we do. I love how if we have a World Series MVP like David Fries in the show or Jay wow. Billis, whoever it is, Sean Foley, uh, you guys love these episodes with people just like you and me. Uh, it's relatable, and I think people get a lot out of it. So these are by far our most popular episodes now. We're going to keep doing them. And we set up a, a mental game hotline where if you have a question about anything regarding the mental game or golf in general, you send us a voicemail. And we pick three to four. Uh, we're probably oh, yeah. doing one on, on average once a month at this point. We might do more um, as we get more calls. And we're going to answer your questions. And it's a great way for us to connect and hopefully help your game. So in case you guys want to be featured on the next Mental Game Mailbag episode, just give us a call at 213-640-7606. I always love reading this because it sounds like a radio ad. 213-640-7606. And we might pick your question. What if the hotline was 8675309? Just makes me go there. We're having fun, though. We got some great calls, great voicemails. We're going to we dive do. in here. We do. We appreciate you guys calling. And um, should we just dive right in, sir? Just dive in. All right. Let's do it with the first question. I got my notes ready here. You know, this is Cermak has a notepad and a pencil out right now. I'm old school. He's old school. You guys know All that. Right. Here we go. Hey, what's up, guys? This is uh, Matt from New Jersey. Just finished up watching the BMW Championship. What a, what a tournament. What a playoff. Uh, Great for Patrick, an awesome win for him. Um, and I noticed that, you know, as they were playing 18 over and over, Patrick used a couple different clubs uh, depending on the shot he had and how far his drive went. My question is, you know, say uh, whether you're playing the same hole over and over again in a day or just the same course uh, over and over again and you, you know, hit a shot and you screw up the execution, but maybe you pick the right shot just chunked it and the execution was poor how do you kind of block that out and the next time you have a similar shot be able to you know pick that shot again pull that right club and you know when you're over the ball not let the prior uh, failure of execution creep into your mind uh thanks guys appreciate all you do and uh, enjoy the ride thank you matt for calling Matt from new jersey matt. we love matt the matt new jersey uh yeah. I'm going to let Matt, Cermak, answer Matt's question first, and then I'll go. Well, I mean, the Patrick Cantley playoff was off the charts with Bryson, for one, and that was pretty wild to watch. Like we said, the same holes, same shots over and over. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. You know, the couple of things that come to my mind, Matt, um, look, at the end of the day, it's, it's all about your target. It's about your speed, and it's about committing to that, right? Where am I going? You know, how am I going to do it? And I'm going to do it, right? So, but when you do hit that, <laughs> you have a familiar shot. You hit a good one, and then you hit a, that same seven iron from 170 up the hill, and you pull it, right? Like pull it 10, 15 yards. It's like, what did I do there? Did I not execute? I knew the shot. And so you got to go do it again, and doubt creeps into your mind. For me, when that doubt creeps into your mind, you know, and you, you got to do it again, right? You're a, little, you're a little more nervous. You're a little more uncertain. 
I always like to try to take an extra deep breath. I try to just slow everything down. In my practice swing routine, I like to feel like I'm making a big turn going back. Because when you have doubt, doubt then creates tension. Tension then takes over your arms and your shoulders. And oftentimes, uh, for me, I don't make a big enough turn into my right side going back. So I get kind of small. I make a shorter swing and I try to steer it. And that happens a lot, right? And then you can come over the top. You can open the face. So there's what's non-negotiable is what's my target? What's my speed and shape? And then just committing it. And as we all know, committing to the wrong shot is better than not committing to the right shot, right? So you got to commit when you're in doubt. But I would say absolutely focus on your breath um, and focus on really feeling like you're making a big turn in those one or two practice swings or three practice swings that you do before. Um, Because at the end of the day, you got to be athletic. So um, that's what I'd say. I love it. Well, let me unpack something you just said. Serum, I think I want to add a little context to what you said. So Serum talked about, for him, the importance of making a big turn, right? And breath, which helps him with tempo and releasing tension, right? Yep. But Cermak has done the work to understand what he does when he gets quick, tight, with tension. So for him, an executional key is to make a big turn, right? For you, Matt, we need to figure out what that is for you. So I was just in a member guest. For sure. And two years ago at the member guest, I didn't even hit driver. My partner and I agreed that I should keep that in the bag. I hit it long enough with my three wood and my three wood's pretty damn good. So um, as he's a scratch player, so for me getting strokes as a seven, uh, let's keep the ball in play and let's commit to my three wood. So look, two years ago, I didn't even hit the driver. And now I'm in a long drive contest uh, with hun- over 100 guys watching on the loudspeaker um, with the driver in my hand, right? And so I essentially, long story short, I made the finals. It's me and two others, right? And nobody hit the fairway in front of me. So now I'm the last up. All I got to do is hit a fairway and I'm going to win $1,000 and the long drive title. And for someone that wasn't hitting a driver two years ago, I know I can hit it long, but the question for me is, can I hit a fairway? So here I am, first two shots. Some people might be like, oh, why didn't you just bunt it down the fairway? Well, I knew that trying to guide the ball wasn't going to help me hit the fairway, so I committed to just ripping at it um, like I normally would. I missed the first two fairways. So now I've got my third of three shots with the chance to win $1,000, all I gotta do is hit a fairway and I win. Otherwise, we're going to a sudden death playoff. Um, and I didn't really wanna do that, personally. So, all I did, I, I, obviously, let's say this first, actually, Matt. It's <laughs> normal for the previous shots to come up in your mind. 100%. So, you asked, how do I not have the old or the bad shots pop in your head? That's an uh, unproductive uh, task because they will. So the first thing we have to do is expect that they will. The power is in being able to reshift your focus. So for me, I thought to myself, well, I've definitely snap hooked this driver. I've blocked this driver, but that doesn't help me right now. That's normal. 
I'm, I've got a lot of pressure on me right now. My ego doesn't want to get embarrassed, but I'm trying to hit a fairway. So what should I focus on? So then I focus on my executional keys. I became obsessed with my executional keys. Just like Matt's was the big turn, mine was my takeaway and my transitional thought. My transitional thought had to do with kind of, um, it doesn't matter what it was, but I was working on something very specific um, with how my transition felt, and I became obsessed with it. And so I got up to the third shot, and all I said to myself was, all I have to do is start my takeaway in the right spot and, and make this one transitional thing happen. That's it. And like, I can do that. It's literally focusing on one thing. I've done it yeah. a thousand times. And you've worked at it too. Yeah. And I've worked at it. So I became obsessed with all I got to do is this transitional move. And I hit this bullet draw down the middle and everybody like ran down and gave Boom. me high fives and I won a thousand dollars. Right. So the key there is acknowledge that the old mistakes are going to pop up. That's part of that's part of it, right? The second is getting clear on what your tendencies are and practicing what works for you, whether it's focusing just on swinging 80%, your tempo, finishing your holding your your follow through, a certain key in your swing um, that helps you staying in your posture, that type of stuff. And then that helps you focus more. It's almost like a mind trick. Now you're focusing on what you're trying to do instead of what you're trying to avoid, which is the previous bad shots that pop up in your mind. Right. So let's find your tendency, let's find your key, and then become obsessed with that in the moment. And like Matt said, at the end of the day, you just have to commit to it, right? And the executional keys at least help me commit. Well, last thing, I love it. Really great. When I'd play with my coach growing up, and maybe I'd hit it over the green, thought it was a good shot. He goes, well, did you do your move? I said, yeah, I did. He goes, that's right. Move on. Yeah. You know? Or sometimes like, you know, I didn't coach. I didn't commit. So, mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you got to do your move. Like, so, yeah. so you know. And so. that's the other thing, sir. Like golf is hard, right? So sometimes, and we've talked about this on a previous show, sometimes you just have to chalk stuff up to a bit of a fluke. Like, yeah, don't know where that came from. That was just or, kind of a bad know. shot. Like somebody felt weird in my body and or, like move on. Yeah. Or maybe a, a strategic error, but you just move on. Yeah. Better to commit to the wrong shot. And not commit at all. Yep. Love it, Ev. Well, thank you for your call, Matt. Again, Thanks, Matt. if you guys want to get your question answered, give us a call at 213-640-7606. Let's move on to the next question. On. I'm very interested to hear Cermak's response on this because Cermak is a putting wizard, and this has to do with putting. Hi. Um, my name is Scott. I'm sending this question in. Uh, what is your go-to routine for adjusting to different green speeds? Uh, I typically typically play at a club that's like super fast, and I find myself having trouble adjusting. And even when I was playing at a club that was low green speeds, uh, I had trouble adjusting to faster ones or different ones. So uh, we'd be curious to know your thoughts. Thanks. Thank you for your question, Scott. Sir, yeah, we talked a... about this many times. Yeah. And it, actually, this is a really good question. And I just tweeted this today after this question got sent in because it's, it's tough, right? This is what makes yeah. golf so difficult 
is you might practice. And Scott Fawcett, the creator of Decade Golf, said green speed and putting speed, distance control is much more important than being able to hit your line because your right. line changes based on the speed that you hit it, right? And so how the hell do we practice our green speed or get good at distance, distance control if we're playing on different green speeds all the time? Yeah, just take it's, – it's a hard one to say what's the magic secret here, but it, it takes just time and energy to go out. So if you're playing at your local muni and those, the step meter is going to be seven, it's going to be slow and furry all day. You, you got to – there's going to – 99% of the time they're going to have a putting green. You need to put 30 minutes in before, <laughs> before you round and putt and lag putt and see what that feels like. You know, cross the whole 50-footer, the 60-footers. And you gotta, you gotta do that. And same thing, you know, when you're playing at a private club and you know, those are going to be 11s or 12 on the snip meter, you really need to spend more time putting lag putting before you play. Ev, there's no worse feeling on a green, whether it's a slow green or a fast green, hitting a putt that you thought was right. And it was 20 feet shorter, 15 feet long. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's lack of familiarity. It's lack of preparation. You need to look at the end of the day, you're going to have two different strokes, one on slow greens and one on fast greens. They're just different lengths, right? And the faster greens, it's going to be, I'm not saying quicken up your tempo or slow up your tempo. You want to be smooth. Whoop, whoop. I love that. Right. Ev? Yeah. But on those faster greens, it's going to be a little bit of a shorter stroke in terms of length. And then those, in those slower greens, you're going to have to take it a little farther back. You need to know what that feels like. And it just takes time to figure that out. Trial by error when you're on the practice screen at your local muni, at your private club. Um, and you really need, you really need uphill, downhill, side hill. Like you really, you should be doing that every time you, you warm up. You should be seeing every putt, but maybe, you know, you know, hit 20 balls, 15 balls before and spend more time doing that. Um, I really think that's what it comes down to because you don't, you don't want to be shocked when you get out there, you know? So tell people about your flag drill, taking the, you're talking about taking, taking my, take the pin out on the green. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think when you're doing lag, I like to putt to the fringe a lot of times. Don't take yeah, the hole out of it. Just take the pin, take the pin out and hit a 40 footer and lay the, lay the little, you know, putting green pin down and putt to that, mm -hmm. you know, just putt to that. And, and free up your free up your shoulders free up your body and just what that feels like because putting to a big target it's amazing how free your body is compared to putting to a hole <laughs> yeah. right so there's a lot of uncertainty out there when you don't know what these greens are going to be like oh well, my god i've been playing fast greens and i'm going to slow green yeah just really have to take the time i it it, it, it really just takes time it just takes experience there's no quick fix you know i have one thing i will say when we were one thing I learned on really fast greens, especially downhillers on a, on a really fast putt, is I was taught to get a little smaller in my setup, you know, so to feel like I'm a little so not standing as tall, I'm standing a little more crouched over it and into it, and that always felt like there was more control um, on a very on a very slippery putt. Um, I felt like I was into it. I was getting into the shot. It's like, like I do that on Nicholas? chipping. Yeah, a little bit. I'm not saying start flaring elbows, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I do the same thing on chipping Ev. when we have a very delicate chip. Let's say it's a 10 foot chip, not a great lie. So we got to gouge it, a little pop gouge, get small 
take the club up, get onto it mm. for control. So similar, same situation, just chipping. So, um, so yeah, that's what I would say. One, you know, we've talked about windy putting, about widening your stance. If the greens are really slow and it's a really long putt, there's something to that too. Mm. If you've got a 50 footer and it's the slowest, most uphill putt you've ever seen. And the grass is this high, widen your stance. <laughs> you got to get into that a little bit. Yeah. You, know, you got to make a big, long stroke and hit it. So it takes time. It takes experience. A couple little mechanical things there, but really just make the effort to prepare and get to the course early and spend time on that green. What do you are think? You of? are, I assume you're more of a feel putter. So like, cause you know, there are some people that literally practice and measure out. If I take this club back, you know, this far, it's going to yeah. go this far and they walk out putts to me that's always been too technical Same. i like to make it a feel but it's too challenging but feel means you've got to work on it right right there's no right. system right so yeah i'm definitely more feel yeah you know because putting yeah. it's kind of it's instincts yeah i mean you're much more of an expert in this than me you're a much better putter than me um but putting has consistently been you know over the last year one of the stronger parts of my game and i would say you know from the mental side just kind of like our last question of just not creating a story around previous bad shots you've made with the club you're hitting. We can also make a story going in, into a round that if you're used to fast greens and you're playing on slow greens, you can almost start the round defensive and the eight ball a little bit by thinking, oh, I'm used to fast greens. Now I'm playing on slow. That's, that might actually in your mind be true. But now from a mindset standpoint, you're playing very defensive and you're playing in a dis you've almost created a disadvantage for yourself. Instead, how can it be a fun challenge? How can you go into the day, like you said, and don't even think about the hole? Like you said, putt to the fringe, try and get a feel for it. And then guess what? As you putt, you're going to get more and more of a feel. Trust me. I know we've all had rounds where all day you just can't get the speed right. Look, there's, it's, there's really not many things more frustrating than that. I get it. Yep. But all I'm saying is if you start the day with that mentality, your likelihood of having a day like that is, is much higher. So how can you use your mind in a way that helps you instead of hinders you and almost see this as like a fun challenge and embrace and, and work on it, yeah. right? Like one thing to remember, guys, is look, it's very easy to just go round to round feeling uncomfortable with things. But, and it's funny, it's funny to even say this out loud, Cermak, but I feel like not many people do this. Not many people then take what they're uncomfortable with and then go to a practice session to try and have more comfort. Yeah. Right. So, it's a great point. Instead of like a lot of people practice and then it almost creates more pressure. I talked to one of my players about this yesterday. Uh, it creates more pressure the next time you play because now you have more expectations because I've been putting in the practice, I better do better, right? Whereas instead, I treat practice sessions as just a chance to get a little bit more comfortable so the next time I have the, those types of shots, I feel like I've done them, right? you know? And I feel like putting and speed is the same thing. Like, just groove, groove your speed and then go out and give it your best. And if you blow one by in the first hole, it's just, it's just, it's just revealing something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It might take a hole or two, but 
take the time, like you said, embrace the fun little game on the putting green before. Like, Hey, let's, let's feel this out, you know, but sometimes laughing when you blow one by fall feet, even though it stinks, it's like, Oh, (laughs) you know, (laughs) just, just, you know how to make a good stroke. You'll get used to it. So, yeah. Well, thank you for that, Scott. Thanks for calling in. I hope that helped. If you guys want to get your questions answered, give us a call at 213-640-7606. We're going to take a quick break to pay the bills. We'll get you right back to the show. Guys, are you looking for golf gear that offers premium performance? Do you guys like premium performance? Stuff that performs no matter what, but at a fair price instead of breaking the bank? Well, Sticks Golf Clubs are on par with all the big brands. Trust me, I've worked for one of them, um, and I've hit the Sticks Golf Clubs. And it's not just an ad read. This is legit, okay? I was actually shocked by how good the clubs were um, without the massive markup. And guess what? During September, Sticks is celebrating their first year in business. They've only been around for one year, and they're selling out like crazy. They're really giving the big club manufacturers a run for their money. Um, they're celebrating their first year in business with daily giveaways. So visit Sticks Golf Gear on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for amazing prizes and surprises throughout the month. And check out their minimalist all-black clubs with high-quality finishes and the latest tech at Sticks.Golf. That's Sticks.Golf. And use the code Me for 10% off. So not only are you going to get a full set of awesome performing clubs for like 800 bucks instead of like 2 to 3 grand, you also can get another 10% off using the code PARTRAINSENTME. So make sure you go to sticks.golf, enter the code PARTRAINSENTME and follow them on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Sticks Golf Gear and access all of these great giveaways. We're going to be doing some at the PARTRAIN and uh, I'm really excited and so happy for them to see the amazing success they're having. And, you know, they're more than just a golf club company. They're making golf more accessible and inclusive and allowing everyone to have really high-quality golf clubs that will break the bank. And so give them a look. I'm telling you guys, if you want a new set that won't break the bank or you're just starting out, Sticks is an incredible option. So give them a look. Enter the code PARTRAIN sent me. Now let's get back to the show. Let's go to question three, shall we? Hey, guys. Corey from Philadelphia here. Um, I'm about a six handicap. I've been playing consistently for about 10 years now. Um, working a lot on my mental game and a lot on course management. One of the biggest things that bothers me is when I try to lay up and still end up screwing myself. Like, uh, instead of taking three wood on a par five, hitting a six iron, still hitting it in the woods, or taking a hybrid off the tee instead of driver, hitting it in the water. Um, not sure how to combat that. Not sure if you guys have any tips, but yeah, it's my biggest pet peeve with golf, and it really confuses me on my decision but love the podcast hopefully you guys can help thank you Corey from philadelphia thank you for your question i'm gonna let you lead it off this is a very uh interesting question i'm sure we've talked about it before i'm excited to dig in term go ahead Corey's thinking about his 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 course management he's a six handicap he's a very good player he's trying to figure out where he can save a few strokes to be a three handicap 
Question is, Corey, when you get on that tee, you say, you know, I'm not hitting driver. I'm going to, I'm going to hit a hybrid. I got to be smart. Do you feel good about it, Corey? Are you, do you feel good about it? You clearly like feeling good about that driver and ripping it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you pull out a hybrid because you know, it's the right thing to do, but are you committed to that move and to that play? You know, maybe that's for further conversation, but I don't know if you are because clearly the results aren't there. You're not sure what you're trying to do. You don't, you're not really feeling your move. Um, off the tee, Corey, you're a pretty good player. Something I like to do is like with a hybrid, and I carry two of them. I like to play it off the, I don't tee it up. I kind of bump it up off the ground, kind of lead Trevino, fluff it up. And I don't really like to feel like when I'm, you know, hitting a position club off the tee, like a hybrid, my job is to hit in the fairway. My job is not to hit it as hard as I can. Mm. My job is to hit something a little lower. It's an accuracy shot. I'm already sacrificing the yardage. So I like to, you know, play it off the ground, bump it up, fluff up that lie. But that off the ground feels like I can come down and attack it. Mm. So I would experiment with that. You're a good player. Um, this is a position shot. It's not a power shot. Convince yourself. That's it. And what I would say about the layup is, okay, it's the same thing. All right. Not hitting a three wood, hitting a five iron. Again, you know what I want to do? I just want to hit it low. It's got to be a low straight shot. A full swing five iron. That's going to get up in the jet stream. You're going to swing harder. The more the chance it has to curve. That's not what we're trying to do here. I mean, that's what we're never trying to do, right? Right. But I'm always a believer. And I was playing on Sunday and people were laughing. Man, you hit that so low. I said, I'm just trying to hit this 180 yards. Straight, little knockdown, a little back in my stance, a little three quarter swing, hold that finish, and let that ball chase. Um, one thing where I've gotten in trouble with Corey is sometimes, you know, on layups in the past, I've got a little obsessed with the yardage. Now I've got to be between 90 and 100. If I'm 108, or if I'm 77, I can manage it. Yeah. You know, so just find a big target out there. You know, whether that's a hundred, the hundred yard stake or a little tree and just hit it low, a little knockdown. Yeah. Um, you've really got to find a way to separate the two things, right? That driver off the tee when you're dialing it up and that three wood when you're going for it, that's a feel up in the stands, you know, tilt back, rip it or a hybrid or a six iron, a little back in the stance, um, hitting it low and, you know, not worried about how long it's going to go. Just worried about what can I do to be a high percentage straight shot? High percentage straight shots in golf, and you have to be in, in the fairway, hit it low. So, yeah, well, loop back with Corey on this too, because that's just, but that's my take. That's what I've learned over the years. It kind of reminds me of the last question a little bit. Like, if he's not comfortable with a lower shot, perfect yep. thing to go to the range, see some low six irons see some high percentage straight mid-flight hybrids and get a little bit more comfort there. The thing I would say, Serm, is um, I think what Corey is experiencing is very similar to people that have called in about the big miss with the driver. Everybody has their, he used the term pet peeve. So what that tells me is missing a layup, he's done it now a few times, clearly he's calling in about it, is his least favorite thing. You know why? It's, because it's the it's biggest blow feeling. to our ego, right? <laughs> yeah. You're trying to be smart and you blow it anyways. We've right. all done it. It's yeah. a terrible feeling. 
right? Totally. But what I think Corey is now experiencing is just like a big block off the tee, people walk into a tee shot saying, the big block is my biggest pet peeve. It's when I feel the worst about myself. Please don't hit the big block, anything yes. but the big block. Then you're tight, you're tentative, you don't commit, you end up hitting more big blocks. I think he's starting to do that with layups a little bit, where, okay, I'm trying to be smart here. Don't you dare do that thing start, that we hate to do. Tension comes in, steers right? it, guides it, faces open or faces shut. Big time. Right? So we need to then start to recognize when those thoughts come in, just like uh, the first question. We're not trying to block out a previous bad shot, right? Accept that those bad shots have happened, but then remind yourself, give yourself comfort that those happened probably because you were trying to avoid it. Right. So now let's focus on what you're trying to do, which is what Serm just said, right? What can you do to give yourself the best chance and focus on your tempo? Put a little back on your stance, right? Pick the best angle with the fattest part of the fairway. Understand your miss tendencies, right? What is your shot pattern? Where are you most likely to miss it? Because then with a layup, if you block it a little bit or come out of it and you miss it right and you're a right-handed player, how can you aim at the fattest part, left part of the fairway so that even if you miss it, even if you were a little tentative again, because it, it will take a little time to finally you know, move past that, uh, you're still in play, right? And developing a low shot, like I said, misses are, the misses just aren't as great, right? Yeah. So if you don't make a great swing at it, you know, still going to get on the ground quicker, yeah. you know, and yeah. be manageable. The last thing I would say too is I assume, Corey, that when you say you hit it in the water or you hit it, you know, OB you with would. a six iron, I assume that those are lateral misses yeah. left and right. Um, but just in case they're not, we should point out that choosing your layup, to Serm's point about like trying to obsess over the perfect yardage, like, I know a lot of amateurs that I've played with where, let's say, you're trying to lay it up short of water and the water's 250. They might hit, like, a 245 club. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Don't right. hit the 245 club. Right. Hit 230 max. Right? right? Like, because we can all hit something too good at times. You never want to be penalized for hitting a shot too good. So, Corey, I assume your lateral misses probably due to you not committing and wanting to avoid the terrible feeling of missing another layup. But just in case you're missing them long or short, really think about what club gives you the highest percentage chance to be in play. And then have comfort that you did your homework, you're making the best choice, rip at it, right? Like the tentative swings is what cause the but result it, you don't want. Just because, you know, every day is different on there. Just because you think, well, I'm supposed to lay up here. What if it's 255 and you're feeling good with that three wood? Yeah, that's the other thing. You, you've got to follow your instincts and then commit to it, right? And see what happens. Just because there's days where you're like, man, my three wood, my, you know, I, I want to, I feel good. Yeah. Like, yeah, is that going to be, yeah, is there bunkers left and there's bunkers right? But I'm, you, you really have to sense where your commitment is trending towards and just go with it. And if you hit it in the water, but you made, you did it. Okay. You know, don't lay up just because, oh, well, you have to, 
this is what I'm supposed to do. Right. That's not committed. Every day on the golf course is different. Yeah. You feel different. So well, that's a great point. Pay attention. Pay attention. Are you laying up? Do you feel like you suppo- you're supposed to? And now you actually want to go for it, but you feel like you shouldn't. So now you're kind of swinging with this like half commitment, right? So use yeah. this as an experiment. Use it as a way to learn, Corey, of like, hey, sometimes, look, I get it. I want to lay up and give myself the best chance to not like bogey avoidance, right? But at the same time, if there's a green that doesn't have a lot of trouble and you can be somewhere up around the green, even if you're a greenside bunker. Love that. Love greenside bunkers too. Like, Aim at the bunker. Aim at a aim big at bunker. bunker. Hit it there. Yeah. Even if but, you're not the best bunker player, you can get out. Okay, 15, 20 feet. I got a yeah. pretty, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So really think about the holes that you are laying up on. And is that the right play? I, I think the ultimate lesson here, Corey, is indecision and trying to avoid the hazards is what brings the hazards into play. So when that comes up for you and you have that old feeling of don't hit it here, don't hit it here, acknowledge it, say, yep, that makes sense. My ego doesn't want to be embarrassed, but let me refocus on what I'm trying to do. What's the hole calling for? How am I feeling with my game right now? And then pick the shot that you feel most confident and comfortable with and then make it happen. And I bet you, you'll do that a lot less. Love it, Corey. Corey from Philly. Corey from Philly, thanks for calling in. In case you guys want to get your question answered, give us a call at 213-640-7606. All right. Last one. Sir, you ready? Here we go. Hey, guys. This is Johnny Cassidy uh, based in Houston. Um, Firstly, love the work that you guys do. Um, Really enjoying the podcast and everything. Got a question um, and maybe just a thought. Prior to starting around the golf, I, I usually have a pretty strong warm-up routine, uh, a warm-up routine that I've done for, for a number of years. But something I, I have struggled with quite recently is transferring the work on the range straight over to the first tee. Um, didn't know if you guys had any insights, any thought processes, or maybe just warm-up routines that you have done that have worked and that you've seen an easy transition to, to really get the round started. Um, yeah, would be great to hear your thoughts on it. And uh, yeah, look forward to listening to the next podcast. Take care. Thank you, Johnny. I love how Johnny Cassidy calls in with an accent and then he says, I'm from Houston. That really he, caught me off guard. He moves stateside, you know, yes. Is he rooting for, is it, you go Europe or is maybe going for the USA? Depends how long he's lived here, right? Yeah. This is a good one, Johnny. Um, Very common question. God, why is this game so hard? <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm a range pro. I take it to the first tee. Well, I'll just say a couple quick things here, Ev. And, you know, we had a great episode with Rick Sessinghouse, mm. Colin Morikawa's swing coach. And he hey, said something coach. to me that stuck out you know, and mental coach about the first tee, you know, he and I were talking about, how do you, the key to the first tee is how can I make this first shot that I'm nervous about (laughs) as easy as possible. Mm -hmm. So you got to find the right thought. You got to find the right club. Have you loved to talk about leaving the ego at the door? Let's say it's the first hole. I don't know. It's long. It's 420 Part four. You're nervous. You're having a problem with the first tee. You can't even get your mind right. 
Maybe it's not a driver. Maybe it's a hybrid. Maybe you're just, how do I figure out, how am I going to make a less stressful first swing? You know, Rick talked, back to Rick for a second, he talked about, I love the thought of, I'm going to stick my finish on the first tee shot. Yeah. That's my thought. That's it. That's all I, that's all I got to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have good balance, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to stick my finish. Um, even sometimes when you have good warm-ups, you know, you know, there's no trouble on the range. You don't even think about trouble. You just swing hard and you swing free. You get to that first hole and you see stuff. Um, so I really, Johnny, be really cognizant about you don't need driver on the first hole. And I don't know anything about your game, Johnny. You don't need it. You need the easiest swing possible because that's the mo- one of the most nervous swings of the day, right? Yeah. It just always is. So really think about like, and if somebody laughs at you, you know what? I'm hitting four iron. <laughs> you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit four iron, four iron, chip, and make the putt. There's a lot of ways to make a four on the first hole. Yeah. Um, you know, the stick to finish thought. Another thing, Johnny, you know, depending on if, if you have a home course, I, I, when you're warming up, it sounds like you know how to warm up, but are you playing the holes in your warm up? Are you, you know, those first couple holes that might be nervous and jittery or that first hole is a par four? You know, 400 yards, are you you hitting, what's it like to hit a driver and a six iron, right? And the second hole's a par three, 180. You know, maybe that's a five iron for you. Are you teeing it up and thinking about that hole and going through your routine? So if if you are great, if you're not, I would play the first three, four holes out on the range prior to my warm-up to give you that familiarity. Hey, I just made those swings, right? As opposed to just really having a very thoughtless, um, just run down the mill, run down the bag, warm up, um, not thinking about what's at. So, yeah. What do you think, Ev? Well, I love that tip from Rick because that's an executional focus that you can have that leads to a balanced swing. And when you have good tempo swing, you have a much better chance of hitting the ball near the middle of the face, right? Um, Johnny, one thing I would say is uh, remember what the warm up is. So we don't need to take stock in what happened on the range. The range is simply to warm up your body and start yep. to get a little bit more comfortable with shots you think you're going to play that day. And figure out who you are. Who are you yeah, today? Who, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How does the swing feel today? Because right. um, look, we've all hit it great on the range, played terrible. We've all hit it off on the range, played great. Yeah. So let's just accept the fact that the range has no bearing on what you're going to do that day. Let's accept that. Matt Kuchar has told Scott Langley, who we've had on the show, that Matt Kuchar aims to the middle of every fairway, the middle of every green, the first four holes he plays, and he's one of the most consistent, hits a three-yard cut every time players that's played on the tour the last 20 years. And he is consciously trying to figure out where his game is, the first four holes. So if Johnny is trying to figure out where his game is on the range, might be interesting for him to try the Kuchar thing, the first four holes. Now he's playing with this like energy of discovery um, on the course instead of necessarily on the range, which might be more helpful. Um, but one thing I would say too is, um, look, think back to a round you shot your best score, right? Or a round you played well. Do you even remember what you did off the first tee? I bet you you don't. And we've all had good scores where the first tee was, shot was awful. We've all had bad scores where the first tee shot was great. So 
I think we need to take a step back and ask ourselves, why do we put so much pressure on the first tee shot? It's the same stroke as, as the last one, but we put a lot of pressure on this shot as if it's going to define our day. Yeah, that's what And it's just say. like, it's the first swing of the day, right? Yeah. There's a reason why a breakfast ball exists. Yeah, we're tight, and that's the whole point of the warm-up is to warm up your body, give yourself the best chance. But remember that too, like, you know, let's not put too much pressure on the first tee shot and let's give you a key that helps you give the best chance, whether it's a club choice like Serm said or hold your finish like Rick Sessinghouse suggested. Um, find out what that is for you. But at the end of the day, let's remove some of that pressure and realize let's just get off the tee and find it as we go. And every time you make that first swing, this is whether you like said, it might be good, it might be bad. Just, just smile. <laughs> just yeah. smile. Hey, glad that's over. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and we're off because we're off because we've got so much golf left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Johnny yeah, from Houston, Johnny Cassidy from Houston and from wherever else overseas, Across thank the you pond. for calling in. Let's take less pressure off the first tee shot. Shall we? Um, in case you guys want to get your question answered, um, give us a call at 213-640-7606. Serm, I always love these episodes. Um, yep. We really appreciate all of the calls. We appreciate the support. We appreciate the love. And um, if these episodes or any episode or stuff on Instagram or Twitter have helped your game, do us a solid and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Share with a friend. Um, it's the exciting. Instagram reviews, the Instagram messages. Yeah, It's, it's great. And, and guys, if you've got ideas and thoughts or disagree let us know we just we're, we're here to brainstorm you have you saw me writing some more notes there is like additional notes it's like as johnny was talking i'm thinking you know that's what's fun about this guys so we appreciate the support and love but you know we're here to just talk it out yeah you know make enjoy the ride right <laughs> yeah we're all look we're all works in progress and if you're listening to the show you clearly care about getting better and being happier on and off the course and to us, you know, there couldn't be any bigger gift than hearing your guys' stories. So, um, and look, so if we have helped you, leave us a review. I want your stories to inspire others. So that would mean a lot to us. And no matter how you're hitting it, term, I don't care if it's on the first tee or on a layup or blowing it past on the green uh, or trying to block out a previous bad shot. I don't care how many bad shots you've had in the past. What do they got to do? Sarum, what do we have to keep reminding ourselves to do? Just enjoy the ride. Take care, guys.